HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food and beverage radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Souther Teague. And I'm Greg Benson. Hey, buddy. How are you? Oh, I'm doing doing all right, man. Hanging in there. It's yep. uh, another beautiful March day here in New York City. How about you? Uh, doing all right. Had a great event last night with uh, Han- you know, the powerhouse that is Hannah Lee. Uh, we did the launch for the new Powers 100% Rye Irish Whiskey. How was that? How is the, how is the 100% Rye Irish Whiskey? You know what? It's pretty fucking tasty. As I think everyone who listens to this show uh, with any frequency knows, I'm a big drinker of rye whiskey, um, American rye whiskey. Uh, and so to see someone make 100% uh, Irish rye whiskey uh, is quite a thing. You know, um, the weather in Ireland's a bit different, so the aging process seems a little bit softer. Uh, and it still comes off with some of those traditional Irish whiskey notes, you know, a little bit of heather, a little bit of honey, even some tropical bits like banana. Um, so uh, I don't know. It's it's like rye whiskey, but not as aggressive as American rye whiskey, but not as uh, you know watery as Canadian whiskey. Huh? So interesting. Because I, I, I mean, yeah, American American rye whiskey can get a little aggro. I'll have to um, have to pull some strings and see if I can get myself a bottle of that for for research for the tax uh, deductible. Yes, of course. You know, news you can use segments we do here on the Speakeasy. <laughs> of course. Uh, speaking of whiskey and news, um, there's some coming out of Kentucky. Do you want to fill us in on that, Souther? Well, yeah, um, you know, read an article in uh, the paper of note, the New York Times, all about how um, the fungus that grows on the, you know, sort of on the rick houses of Jack Daniels um, has become so prolific. And this is common, right? When you go to any distillery that has any kind of aging process, you know, when you go to distilleries in Cognac, France, and you see the, the, the barrel houses, you know, there's this little black sooty fungus that kind of uh, forms around, uh, it, it feeds off of the angel share, you know, the part of the booze that's evaporating. Um, yeah. But so Jack Daniels being such the behemoth that it is, it's not just uh, forming on the Rick houses. Uh, it's forming on everything nearby up to and including kind of dusting the local town in this sort of sooty black, which washes off. It's no um, it's not harmful to human beings in any way. Uh, it's just kind of unattractive 
um, but it's becoming a nuisance problem for the residents and uh, they are speaking out and they're not happy. So it's like covering like the entire town of, of, you know, Lynchburg, Tennessee, where Jack Daniels is made. Uh, yeah. Uh, Lincoln County down there. Lincoln apparently County, yeah. um, there's, uh, uh, you know, at least one woman has stepped forward and is bringing a suit uh, about this. Now, I don't think that there's any chance uh, that she's going to get anywhere with it. I feel like it's kind of, I have two two examples in my mind about what this would equate to to me. You know, I think first, like you don't move into the East Village of New York City if you're if you think that it's going to be, you know, if you're if you're sensitive to noise, <laughs> right? And you wouldn't <laughs> live next to a rendering plant if you were sensitive to smells. You know, the, like I don't think that there's a whole lot that the business owners uh, can do to to mitigate those problems, right? Uh, especially this one, which is again, it's a nuisance, sure, but uh, you know, everything I've read says it pretty much rinses off with ease. And I have to assume that the town of uh, uh, Lynchburg and the whole county of Lincoln County probably is a, you know, majestically beautiful based near solely on the tax revenue that they derive from the Jack Daniels behemoth. Right. I, I, I don't know, man. I, first of all, I just have to say, I think this viral marketing campaign for the last of us has gotten totally out of hand. <laughs> shut it down. Um, it's just, it's, it's too much guys. It's too real. Uh, second of all, I mean, I totally agree with you. Like don't move into the East village and complain about the noise. Like don't move in next to like a rendering plant and complain about the smell. But like, I feel like you're not, people don't know about this fungus when they move in next to a distillery. It's like, Oh shoot. You mean I'm going to open up the windows in the morning and I'm going to get like a little buzz because there's so much booze in the air. Damn. I guess I'll have to get used to that. Like nobody tells you that like, you're going to come out and your car is going to be covered in this like, black moldy nonsense that's just going to kind of like be a, a, a constant not even next door neighbor in your door neighbor that's just covering everything you i don't know sure i'm allergic to mold so maybe that's me just being like Ugh. i mean i think we all are to some degree but sure i, I can certainly see what you're saying and, and yeah if i only visited the east village at uh, 9 a.m on a on a sunday when i was looking for an apartment i'd probably think this is a quaint little quiet neighborhood in new york city right um, but if I'm looking for housing in, uh, in this area, I'm going to be like, what's all this black dust all over everything, everywhere I go, all, all over the stop signs, all over the, you know what I mean? It's not like they cleaned up your, your property to sell it to you, right? You had to notice it on, on entry. Cause it's, it's ubiquitous down with it, like a power hoser before the people come to buy the right, house. It's like, why is my house the only one that's not covered in dust? <laughs> you know? Uh, you know, so it's, uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm on the fence. But I would think that at least maybe municipally, the town itself could take some of those tax dollars and do some sort of mitigation. I don't believe that it should be on on the business, Jack Daniels, right? Um, not that I'm any great proponent of, of that whiskey or, or, or not. It's, it's fine and it's out there and it's you know one of the number one selling whiskeys in the world. Um, there are some things that they could do, it turns out, at the Rick houses. They could add these uh, filtering ventilator operation uh to the to the situation um however they've already experimented with this and it it does change the whiskey so obviously jack daniels is not going to risk you know everything that they've built to put in these um systems that would mitigate this so i think my thinking is like buyer beware you know you can't just move into uh again you can't move into the east village and expect it to be quiet you can't live next to a rendering plant or an airport and expect it to be quiet or not smelly you know that's just part of the you know, maybe your maybe your property, uh, uh, you know, and you got it at a cheaper rate because of this. You know what I mean? Like, uh, th there's a balance here somewhere. 
Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I mean, part of me is like, and I and I do really like Jack Daniels. Like, you know, I'm not, I don't drink it with any regularity or ever. Uh, I can remember. Not. In, I love this thing. I never not, drink. Not since I was uh, le- not since I was legally allowed to touch the stuff. But I think it has a cool history. I think it. Of you know, we need to we need to honor the fact that it more or less uh, single handedly saved the American whiskey category in oh, the sure. 1970s as being like the only kind of high profile brand that was cool. Um, oh, it was my, dad, it was my like, dad's drink of choice until the day he died. Like uh, my dad drank Jack Daniels like it was. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, like yeah, it was his job, which I guess in a weird way it was. <laughs> it's Jackie D. It's iconic, but also like big business, clean up your mess. You know, like pick up pick up your toys. If you can't handle your toys, you shouldn't have them. That's kind of how I feel about it. There's got to be I don't know maybe to, maybe try another filtration system. Maybe try maybe give you know uh, employ a bunch of people at the uh, the Jack Daniels Distillery to go out every I don't know Tuesday and just kind of hose the town down and give every citizen a lollipop. I don't know something. There's got to be an equitable solution there, but. You know, just well, we'll I guess not, we'll, we'll try and keep a close eye on this. I've been watching too much HBO yeah. and not just for Pedro Pascal either because uh, – but also like just because it's – you know, I, I have fungus not literally on the brain, but I heard fungus taking over a town in Tennessee and I was like, oh, God, it's starting. I so mean, yeah. clean, was, clean, clean it up and I'll sleep easier. It was, a, you know, sparkling headlines are what sells paper, right? Um, <laughs> it's true. Yeah, whiskey fungus fed by Jack Daniels in crusts, Tennessee town. Uh, Good use of the verb in crusts, though, in the headline. Sure. You got to admit. Well, in the photos—that's what it looks like. Everything's just kind of got a crusty layer on it. Um, anyhow, speaking of whiskey, <laughs> let's bring in as, as we were. Let's, oh, sure. Let's bring. Well, we were speaking of whiskey's damage that it does. Uh, let's bring in our. <laughs> let's bring in our virtual guests into the studio. Who we got today, Greg? All right, we got Dan Watson and Tommy Schaffner live from Cleveland, Ohio, talking yes. about their new spot, Never Say Dive. How you doing, guys? What's up, good? Good. How you doing? Good. Hanging in there. Yeah. Another, as you as you say, another beautiful wintry uh, Cleveland afternoon. Um, but we're used to it. I'm feeling good. Feeling good. Uh, nice. Really great to have you guys on. Um, you know, uh, I love Cleveland. I talk about Cleveland a pretty fair amount on the show. Damon and I got to go to Cleveland and do a great show out there where we trooped around with our, um, you know, remote recording equipment. And, uh, uh, I think we put out an episode that was two, it was a two parter and it was an hour each. So two hours of us traipsing around Cleveland and getting progressively drunker as the show went on. <laughs> it was a great time hanging out at Porco Lounge and LBM and, uh, many other spots that butcher shop we went to that was great. I can't remember the name of it though. Uh, East Ohio is that what it was called? I don't know. Oh, did you guys go to a spot at all? Probably no, the butcher, yeah, we did go there, but the, we went to a butcher shop. Oh, um, Ohio, Ohio, City, Ohio City, yeah, not East Ohio, yeah, 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 that was a great time. Um, man, I love that town, and I'm always talking about how I'd love to do some work over there, and I feel like we're inching the ball in that direction. Um, but I'm happy to know that you guys are cracking in something. Dan, when, when I was out there last, you were. The head bartender was that your title? Head bartender at Porco Lounge. Let's go with that. <laughs> uh, Chief Merrymaker, or something like that. Yeah. Um, but then the pandemic came along and shifted some things around for you. Uh, but now you guys are going to open your own spot because Tommy, you're one of the principals at LBM. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, and I spent uh, four, almost five years at Porco as well with Dan. Oh. Um, yeah, left a little little pre-pandemic, but then, as I said, that changed to everything for everybody. Um, so I'm still at LBM now, and um, we were all kind of just daydreaming about 
start in a whole other place and we had uh, actually had a completely different concept in mind and some stuff uh, just fell into order and this kind of half fell in our lap and we almost couldn't say no um can't say dives but you can say you can't say no either <laughs> well, I, mean, I mean that's that's kind of that's what success looks like is you know you work your ass off to so that one day you can get a lucky break right it's like sure. you work your ass off so you can be in the right place at the right time and just have something fall into your lap. Yeah, I love that. That hey, that just qualified my whole life. Appreciate that. Thank you. I mean, it's what I do. <laughs> Affirmations from Greg. Cheers. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've said it numerous times. It's it's an old saying, but uh, you know, I feel like the harder I work, the luckier I get. Right. So your hard work yeah. got you to the position where some luck could befall you. Yeah. So let's talk about that luck. What 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 what's going on? You guys are opening a spot in May called Never Say Dive. Right. Yes. Yep. And talk to us about um, like you you said you had a concept in mind, but you've changed you, that got rearranged entirely. Talk talk to us about the the process. You know, I think our listeners, um, many of them are interested in potentially doing something of their own one day. So let's let's give them some insight on how it's happening and how you're handling what's happening to you. Sure. I mean, it's just like you know, you always like to talk about pivoting and you know, you need to adapt in this industry, and that's kind of we started. We we kind of met up. And decided we want to open our own spot probably back in 2019. And we had these really grand aspirations for this really like high end, um, very rum centric cocktail concept. And we were looking around and then the pandemic happened and that put a damper on us for a year or so. And then uh, last year, a mutual friend of ours approached us and she's gotten into real estate and owns a building in a neighborhood called Old Brooklyn that's more traditionally residential. Um. And we started looking at it, and then we just started realizing how many of our friends lived over there. And just by nature of the neighborhood, it sort of changed our concept of the idea that we were going to do more of what I think happened. What I think there's some place like this in Chicago and New York where it's more like the like high-low thing where it's like really cool cocktails served very approachably in just a neighborhood bar. But Cleveland doesn't really have that just yet, so we're going to open that up. That's amazing. And I, I – <clears throat> well, I want to sort of ask about that because that's, you know, I, I love, I love this shift that I'm seeing towards like, you know, I mean, it never, never say dive. I don't want to, I don't want to make assumptions about what sort of vibe you're going to it for, but you know, the title kind of points me in a certain direction. And mm -hmm. I just kind of wanted to, you know, I'm, it reminds me of a conversation I had with a chef that I used to work with in uh, DC, whose name is, uh, his name is Marcel. Afram, from I don't know. Your name is Chef to me if you're listening. That's why I don't know how to pronounce your last name. But anyway, he rules. And he used to be the pitmaster at Maidon in DC and has like, you know, done some really high-end, really artsy shit with food. And I was talking to him when I was in town in October, and he was like, Yeah, I was talking to my wife and really just I want to just do chicken and french fries. Like that's it. It's like, you know, I don't want to do high end stuff. Like that's what I want to make. And that's what I feel like people want to eat. And I feel like that cultural pull is in that direction, right? Like people are wanting that more kind of like simple strip back, something that kind of feels real. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about kind of the thought process of going from this high end rum bar to kind of this more sort of, you know, simple neighborhood uh, vibe that is good, that serves good shit, but isn't gonna, you know, be anything um artisanal you're never going to see the word artisanal in the same name in the same description you know <laughs> uh i've i've lived in this neighborhood for almost 17 years now and ironically as cleveland grows and the 
uh, you know, culinary and beverage scene gets cooler and better and grows and more cocktail bars keep opening up. And there are every single one of them just keeps keep getting cooler and better. Uh, you know, 20 years later of coming up through the bartending in, in dive bars and venues and then latching onto the, like the cooler restaurants and then and friends open nice cocktail bars and working there and just like climbing the mountain, climbing the mountain, climbing the mountain and un- having a, f- feel like having a full grasp of that stuff, but also still miss just like pulling taps and pouring shots. And between that and living in this neighborhood and going, man, there's like, uh, there's like one sports bar that's got really good food and then a couple other places you know, call old man bars that I don't mind going into. And then everything else is a punch palace. Let's, let's step in over here and kind of bridge the gap from like the outer suburbs and like the, the, the neighborhoods close to more urban neighborhoods. And then there's like the, you know, Lakewood and Tremont that have all the, the nicer higher end stuff. We'll like be the, we'll literally be the bridge from the suburbs and the punch palaces to the nicer stuff and we'll stop right in the middle and we'll be right in the middle and uh, help people get through. (laughs) Now, what makes you think that like, um, or rather, I guess, Dan, earlier you said something about how in Cleveland there isn't this thing, right? You've got your, your dives Mm -hmm. and you've got your sort of higher end, but there kind of isn't this middle ground of high low. Why do you think it doesn't exist? And what makes you think that you making it exist? is is necessary i guess is the question you know like when you're when we're creating concepts and businesses we try and look around for something that's not only not there there's certainly that right you always want to see like i'm going to be unique in some way but also then but that is desired because sometimes something isn't there because nobody wants it yeah it's i mean it's something i've seen in a lot of other cities and it's been some of my favorite bars i've ever gone to where like there's a place in um just outside of detroit called bumbo's that's very neighborhood bar we can get a great cocktail there was one of my favorite bars ever in um, uh, Chicago was called um, Best Intentions. And there's also like Sportsman's Tavern and bars like that where they're just these like, you walk in, you would just order a beer and a shot and then look around a second later and be like, oh my God, they have amazing cocktails. And it's sort of, I realized those are sort of the place I like to drink at. And it's also, how many times in the night when you're bartending do you hear a guest go, well, what do you like to drink? And a lot of times as much as I really love making, you know, cocktails and these intricate things, with a lot of ingredients, the answer is usually just, I don't know, a can of Stroh's and a shot of old granddad. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's just sort of opening the bar we would like to drink at combined yeah. with the thing that we've seen work pretty well elsewhere. And yeah. yeah, just like, not going to lie, this nine, this nine touch Mai Tai variation of the menu is good, but I would murder someone for a high life right now. Like, I feel <laughs> no, like that's 100%. always the answer when someone asks you that question. Right. And I always think about how many, how many chefs and, and cooks I've worked with and they're, they're just pumping out all this glorious high end food. And I see DoorDash show up with McDonald's. What is, <laughs> what is happening? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and then I, and then uh, I get off shift and go to the bar that's open and get a PBR draft and a, and a, you know, what granddad or worse <laughs> like why did i do that because it's delicious that's why uh so why not try to service everybody and blend the two and and as dan was saying i think a lot of people creative types whether you're in the bar business or music business or create 
or create anything creative, you, eventually you want to make something for yourself. Or think initially you want to make something for yourself. You find out you might have to adapt it so you can eat. Um, <laughs> right. But we've all, I think we've all done really cool and fulfilling work for other people. Now it's time to bring it together and do ex like exactly what we want to do. And um, I think based on our personalities and our careers that lives right in the middle of uh, highly complex, well-thought-out cocktails and shitty American lagers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen, I mean, I, we've seen, you know, I, I guess I, I guess my angle with that question was that I'm just shocked to know that that, do, that, that doesn't really exist in Cleveland, you know, because all the cities that I go to, there, there is examples of that. Like you just said, Best Intentions in Chicago. Here in New York, of course, we have places like the Holiday Cocktail Lounge. Um, you know, there's, uh, all manner of spots in, in other cities where you could get, uh, as you just said, you know, the, the low flyer, or, you know, a beer and a shot or, uh, uh, you know, a, a well-made, uh, you know, Mai Tai as Greg is always drinking. Um, uh, you know, you can, there's plenty of places to do that. I, I'm just curious, like, how has that not existed where you're at? And if it's not existed for this long, is there an audience for it? Do you think you're going to draw enough audience to, to be, you know, fiscally, uh, prosperous. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously I you're, so. you're, you're putting it all out there and you're going to do it. So, you know. so um, the, the little, go ahead, Dave. I was going to say, I mean, like, so I bartended, um, spotted owl right now, which is one of the highest end cocktail bars in town. And we've always had on the menu, we call the granddad and grenade and it's six bucks and you get a pour of old granddad bonded and a, uh, Coors Banquet and you know it's so it's sort of that same dichotomy it's just nobody thinks of it as the bar you go to for that I just sort of you know right right uh, but you know that's a pretty limited option right it's sort of a sure is that on there for you know the the five top that walked in and four of them wanted to get fancy cocktails and the one guy was just like I just wanted a beer and shot oh they have that great you know yeah uh, is it a throwaway like you know like uh uh, you know, I use this as an example all the time. You know, uh, Peter Luger's very famous steakhouse here in New York City. They they have they sell salmon yeah, to almost no one, <laughs> but it's on the menu, <laughs> right? You go there How for old steak. Is that salmon? Yeah. How long has that uh, salmon been chilling in the freezer before they like pull it out for the one poor sad sack that orders it? Right, exactly. Um, so you know, uh, you know, it's just there to be that like uh, maybe you wandered in uh, unexpectedly and you we're gonna appease you in some way. I'm optimistic because I think I think we'll, we're going to like backdoor some of these some of the higher end stuff as opposed to vice versa. Whereas the neighborhoods used to these pub style, uh, you know, shot in a beer. Cleveland's a very shop shot in a beer type town, and I was I was shocked to see that uh, the cocktail scene worked so well and is and is continuing to grow i think that's because your food scene blew up right you had uh, guys oh, like you had guys like michael simon over there cranking out restaurants and then the people that worked for him went off to be second gen and do their restaurants and now you're probably even into third sure. gen from those guys right absolutely uh, and, you know where 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 cuisine is drinks follow you know so it seems logical to right. me that you would have a, a cocktail scene so uh and uh, the little press we've gotten, local press we've gotten, spins really good, and uh, it all sounds really well received thus far. Even when we talk to uh, the councilwoman we work with, is great. Um, the local CDC, everyone lives in the neighborhood, and 
as we were explaining it to them, we're usually, as we were trying to open stuff before, we'd go into the more popular neighborhoods and everyone would look at us like they were scared of us. So far, anyone we've talked to about trying to make this happen, their eyes light up and are like, how soon can you open? Please make this happen. I live over there and there's nothing to do. Right. So that's the market gap you're filling there, right? They simply have no option, right? So you're giving, yes. you're, 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 it sounds to me like maybe you're taking over into a space where there is no option at all and you're going to offer the widest possible option you can so that everyone in that neighborhood finally has something, right? That's, that's. Because I, I have to be, this, I, yeah, I have to be honest and say like, the thing I don't think about at all opening places in New York city is people driving. Right. So you're trying to capture people who are closer to you. Right. That's, that makes powerful sense to me. Yeah. And I would say that, you know, your average uh, person in Cleveland is definitely driving most places as opposed to uh, in New York where you're catching subway or uh, taxi or an Uber. Right. Um, it, which is catching on here. It's, it's a lot more popular, but, there's so much less traffic that you can just hop in your car and, and go. Right. But then you as an operator have to kind of worry about like service. Right. But I think, uh, mm-hmm. I think that even me as a, as a human being, if I lived there and I knew I had to drive, then my choice would be, I'd like to drive as short as possible. Right. Absolutely. So you're opening 100%. a place in a, na- a neighborhood that's underserved so that they don't have to drive so far to go somewhere else. For sure. Uh, For at sure. At least that's gotta be part of the demographic. Um, well, let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. We're going to come right back and keep talking to Tommy and Dan about uh, everything that's going on in Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland rocks. We'll be right back. Every glass of wine tells a story. And these stories reveal hidden histories, flavors, passions, and sometimes they unravel our darkest desires. In Wine Enthusiast's newest podcast, Vinfamous, journalist Ashley Smith dissects the underbelly of the wine world, We hear from the people who know what it means when the product of love and care becomes the source of greed, arson, even murder. Each episode takes listeners into the mysterious and historic world of winemaking and the crimes that have since become, well, infamous. This podcast pairs well with wine lovers, history nerds, and crime junkies. So grab a glass of your favorite and follow the podcast to join as we delve into the twists and turns behind the all-time most shocking wine crimes. Follow Vinfamous on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen, and be sure to follow the show so you never miss a scandal. New episodes drop every other Wednesday. Cheers. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. 
Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. And we are back. You're listening to The Speakeasy here on Heritage Radio Network. Today we're talking with Dan Watson and Tommy Schaffner from Never Say Dive out in Cleveland, Ohio. We're talking a little bit about their concept before we went into the break about the kind of high, low, low, high, like I want to be able to get, uh, you know, a super fancy cocktail and a beer in the shot. And I want to be able to get them in the same place. So like, it's super cool that that's going to exist under one roof. I think that's definitely the way the the market is moving and something people want. But I want to kind of talk about the the nuts and bolts a little bit of putting this thing together. Like what was kind of the, uh, because, you know, we're all, we're all coastal elites out here at the speakeasy. <laughs> and uh, I'd love to hear a little more about hey, the, the nuts and bolts. Cleveland's of, on the coast. <laughs> it's on, it's on a coast, Southern. Um, but, uh, but yeah, what, what's it like putting together a bar out in, uh, out in the heartland? Well, the, uh, the, <laughs> I mean, the long pause from both of you. Yeah, uh, no matter where, no matter where you go, the brass tacks of, yeah. of raising the finances and and procuring a place are are difficult things. I'd just like to hear how how the process went for you guys out there in Cleveland. Sure, I feel like I'm I'm just I was just thinking like, oh god, I'm not jinxing it because we're not quite to the finish line yet. But uh, <laughs> it's been basically you know just all of us pooling enough money together that we've saved up for you know probably decades at this point and enough to put down a down payment on a loan that, you know, banks will actually talk to us with. And we've actually looked at a few other spots before and for different reasons, they haven't worked out in this one. We just, um, like I said earlier, we just, you know, our friend owns the building and she approached us and it just felt like a good fit. Yeah. The numbers, uh, we were, we're, we have another part. Well, technically we have two other partners, uh, Erico who owns LBM, um, who I who knows all the the legal stuff and the numbers? He's a genius. Uh, I w- wouldn't be. I don't think I could handle doing this without him knowing all that stuff. Because no, not at all. I, I'm not figuring it out. No way. It's just twenty minutes later. But like, yeah, you know what? Never mind. Um, he's great at handling that stuff. His, his cocktails are amazing. He's just all around super talented person. One of my best friends. Um, we were looking to purchase property, you know, go the McDonald's route, actually be a, a landowners <laughs> and then build bars and hope they work. Uh, and we found out we're too poor to do that. Uh, <laughs> and in the middle of finding out we're too poor to do that, uh, a friend of ours had a bar space available for a seemingly very safe amount of rent. Like, well, man, we'd have to try really hard to fuck that up. So uh, let's give it. Let's try. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of the things that makes you know uh, a, a, an area like Cleveland an attractive spot to do business. You know, I, I've talked about it for years. How I've kind of wanted to do something there. It's just things keep getting in the way, up to and including the pandemic. Is that the cost of goods is pretty much the same as it is here in New York? A little cheaper, not not crazy cheaper because you're a control state, right? Um, right. But the cost of, um, or rather, the sale price of the those products that you create is very similar to New York, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yet your mm-hmm. rent is, you know, considerably less than New York. Considerably like, less. So there's where the margin starts to real, you know, rear its head and, and make it an attractive opportunity. Sure. Um, that I think that had a lot to do with us uh, pretty much inventing this concept and, well, I don't know if we invented it, but inventing it here 
and um, deciding that's a, that's what we were going to do in this spot was uh, the risk. His risk is glaringly ridiculous, but also as far as opening bars go, it was actually a little bit smaller than what we were initially trying to do. Like, well, let's oh, we'll try this, and then we can go for the big, ridiculous, fancy concept later. Um, but and even still, trying to put the funding together for that's been complicated. Um, luckily, our other our our food partner, John Hegarty, who does uh, amazing food, um, he's pretty much funded most of that end. So that helps. That helps instead of building a kitchen and trying to get someone to fill it. Um, he's taken on a bunch of, of that responsibility. Yeah, we didn't even talk about uh, the fact that it's gonna you're gonna feature a, a menu of food as well, right? Mm-hmm. And his, I, from we talk a lot about it. Um, we still don't have a solidified menu or anything, but the way he talks about it, the same way, very approachable stuff that is actually done very high end. Hot dog with caviar on it. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Not even kidding. Ooh. <laughs> a dive dog. Yeah. Um, Love it. Yeah. So. Uh, and his food's great. We're really excited about that. Um, it's coming at both angles. Uh, that's the other thing people have been saying. There's no, f- there's very little food in that area past lunch. Right. Uh, so another market gap that you can you can accommodate. Uh huh. But it's uh, you know it's as we all know it's stressful trying to figure out how much money we have left to you know we want a fancy sign and and want it to look nice and. Get to the end, like, are we going to have that? Uh, I don't know. We're going to we're gonna find out. Well, listen, if I could give even one small piece of advice, uh, uh, I say it all the time, you know, done is better than perfect. And once you're done and generating revenue, you can continue to strive towards whatever your ideal of perfect is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For sure. We've been laughing about, uh, you know, PBR and Dixie Cups for the first month until we, until we can uh, afford uh, classes. You know, something like that sounds sticky, but it, it, it could become the thing you're known for. You never know. Right. right? That, could, that could be the forever thing. That's, oh, man, let's go to that place where you get the Dixie Cups. You know, whatever. You know, Turkey's Nest right. here in uh, New York City is a bar that serves beer in uh, 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 40-ounce styrofoam cups. I mean, they don't make styrofoam anymore, but it's the, you know, that thing that looks like styrofoam. Uh, and uh-huh. they serve their shots in Dixie Cups. I'm not kidding. Oh, that's fun. So come, you know, come it. do some R and D at the Turkey's Nest and bring it, bring it back to <laughs> Cleveland. <laughs> well, That's there's also, extension. I mean, you also see like how many, you know, what I mean, it's all we want to keep a little bit in reserve and also just maintain some flexibility too. Because I mean, how many bar or restaurant concepts do you open that are exactly the same as you envision them in your head six months after they open? Oh, never. You, know, you have to yeah. pivot and change all kinds of stuff. Plan your work, work your plan, be flexible. And know that the first exactly. guest who right. the first guest who walks in is going to tell you what you are. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's just how it works, uh, and that's a great approach, right? I think like go in with your concept and be strong and have an ethos and never flexible, never really flexible on your ethos, but be flexible on. You know, if people come in and say if if the first ten people come in and say I don't like the lighting in here, then you have to change the lighting. You can't just you, you can't just be staunch. <laughs> that's good, that's good no, way. this is the lighting right. I like. Well, no one else likes it, so you're fucked. Um, you know, so you gotta, you gotta, there's gotta be some flexibility, but you can still be staunch to your ethos of like, this is how we do service. This is how we approach people. This is how we, you know, welcome them, et cetera. Um, but that's all the important stuff too. Agreed. hundred percent agreed. So let's talk about that a little bit. What's the space going to look like? I know you're still swinging hammers and you're, you said you're, you're very good at making dust right now. 
Um, what's the what's dust the, is our dust is our number one commodity right yeah. now. <laughs> so it was an existing bar. You're going in there. You're you're not having to do a full gut, right? But uh, you are you are making a lot of dust because you're you're going to make the space your own. What is what what does that you know describe that to the viewer? This is uh, to the listener. This is radio. They can't see anything. So. <laughs> so we've pretty much we've pretty much stripped down to the skeleton of a bar. Um, because it was it was literally just a bar. There was no kitchen or anything. We wanted to build a whole kitchen, so that involved ripping out walls, uh, completely redoing the basement because we need to make a prep area. We need to build in a walk-in. But the cool thing about this space is it just has this, and this is part of where the concept came from too. Is just walking in there. It just had this cool like bar your grandpa would have drank at vibe, where there's this like really old it has to be from like the 30s wood paneling that's like really thick on all the walls with these um, I don't know if you call them scoffits or trims or whatever on the top. Uh, there's an actual like old wooden back bar that's really like ornate and cool and we're keeping all the wood paneling all the wood stuff um gonna paint it dark probably update some of the lighting new bar top that kind of stuff so it's gonna be we're not trying to do a historical renovation type situation we're just you know keeping the cool old vibe modernizing it a tiny bit yeah and the what, what's sort of the like the decor the vibe you know is this tropical is this uh uh, you know, because uh, I know that's that's sort of your wheelhouse, Dan. You love you love you love rum and island drinks. Uh, like, what's kind of mm-hmm. like where where am I going to be transported to when I step off the streets of Cleveland and into you know Never Say Dies? To a bar your grandpa would have drank it. <laughs> <laughs> to a simpler time. Cool. It's exactly. very no. I mean, we're gonna. We're, I'm, I've been looking around. And I wish I would have thought of this 15 years ago because they cost significantly more than they used to. But like, cool old like vintage beer signs and decor and such like that. Uh, there's such a crazy market for that stuff now, though. Um, that kind of stuff. We're getting um, some neon signs, probably for the front. Just, you know, old, sort of classic timeless-type touches. Sure. Big, those, big, it's funny. those big round stools with the extra puffy vinyl uh, seating on top. and The bolted-down bar stools is something I've been looking really, really hard at. They're... A little pricey, but I really, really want to get those. Oh, you want to get stationary seats? Yeah, yeah. I dig that. Uh, that's a very that is a very old man bar touch, honestly. Yeah, and and none of them are going to wander off during service too, which is really nice. Sure, they are they are where they are, and that's where they stay, and that's probably the the makes me the happiest. <laughs> yeah. No, you can't. No, you can't move it over there. It's bolted to the ground. Yeah, there's one of my favorite bars in town. Um, has those as their only seating at the bar and i found out my friend's grandmother used to own the bar and i asked like oh those those stools are amazing goes yeah they didn't used to have those until the 80s i'm like oh really he's like yeah the neighborhood got really rough and there were too many people picking up bar stools and hitting each other with them so (laughs) we're just we can prevent that problem right off the rip (laughs) Uh, i I laughed because when sorry you said you know where will i be transported to off the streets of cleveland and i think you'll just be transported to the streets of Cleveland 30, 40 years ago. Got it. Yeah. Very, I want to say, you know, it feels very Cleveland, but not like, you know, sports, not nothing wrong with sports. I'm wearing a Cleveland Guardians hat right now and I, I love football and, uh, and I love Cleveland. Um, but I want to say it's very Cleveland feel without, you know, Browns and, you know, leading with a sports bar scenario. Just, I don't even know how to explain how Cleveland feels without being into it and walking into a bar and being like, yep, this is, this is this. Um, 
Yeah, it's, it's kind of like it's sort of. I mean, I've only been I've only been twice, and I I, had, I did manage to hit Porco, LBM, and Spotted Owl in both times I was there. So I feel like I got the I got that's the highlight. A, that's a good me. round. Yeah, but um, <clears throat> it feels like a like sort of what you're describing is this kind of vibe where it's like you know they're not really sports bars, but you can walk into just about any bar and talk about sports. You know that kind mm-hmm. of that kind of feel. Cleveland's the Cleveland's the kind of place where you're going to get a really big hug but they also kind of like slap you on the back a little too hard while you're getting the hug exactly (laughs) that's that's and that's kind of how oh that's how the bar feels to me come here i love you so and so (laughs) uh and and there's one question i i haven't asked yet also uh how big is the bar like how many how many people are going to be able to accommodate how many bolted down stools at the bar proper and how many how many can fit in other than that i think we were last week counted we haven't finished up our floor plan yet but we're looking at about 60 i think was seated and then plus you know whatever we can fit in standing and then we do have some space on the sidewalk out front to add a patio which we can add a pretty substantial amount of tables out there probably probably another six or seven amazing uh and and how does it work in cleveland when you do outside is that an extra fee like it is here in new york or does that just come with um it's an extra fee for like the uh the permits and such but not on top of that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, and uh, you do it all year long in Cleveland. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. But I mean, yeah. uh, like, you know, can you have like heated patio things out there? Like we can't have them here if they're on the street we're, side. Oh, we're allowed. We're allowed oh, to. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah um, some places do those weird little um, igloo things, but I don't. I don't really understand the point of that. Yeah, yeah. No. No. It's I'm I'm an indoor cat in the winter. I'm yeah. just like yeah. you can't fool me. That's still outside. Yeah. The, the inside it's of still outside. cold. Yeah. Exactly. Outdoor I've dining def- now with walls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely seen some very inventive, pretty cool, you know, three season patios uh, at bars around here where they like just like have a very nice enclosed patio and then they like build a tent around it. It's just like really nice, like vinyl hanging walls and then drop a couple space heaters in there it's not bad i i don't know man to me that takes away what's special about the patio it's just like it's it's the, it's there for when the weather's it's a special treat when the weather is nice if you can also sit on the patio when the weather's shitty and i do and i do have one friend who i have a tradition to like we pick the coldest day in january and we sit outside at long island bar and drink martinis because your drinks <laughs> oh, yeah. actually get colder as they sit there, as you sit there. It's great. but that's but that's a that's a one-off i do that once a year and it's like and now i'm good for the next 365 days like a patio is supposed to be a special treat for when it's nice not just well, that- like something you jerry-rig to make it habitable 365 days a year. Right. That's the problem with Cleveland is the most of the summer is shitty too. So <laughs> so we got to do what we got to do. See, but then but then when you get when you get patio weather it's like Coachella without any bands. Everybody's out there just losing their freaking mind. <laughs> it is true. It's um, definitely a place where when it's there's a random 50 degree day in February you'll get people rolling into your bar wearing shorts saying, "Oh, can we sit on the patio?" I'd be like, no, "No, we don't have furniture out there right now." Yeah. And then there's the fir- and then the first week where it's 85 all week, nobody wants to sit on the patio. Uh right. it's strange that we have more overcast days in Seattle. Uh so we're always, always at odds with our weather, and a lot of times, and we almost have more rain than Seattle. So I often wonder if like an open patio was even worth it. Right. I've, the, the how many times I've been called off in twenty years because it's supposed to rain and doesn't, or it's not supposed to rain and does. Uh, sometimes I wonder should we spend the money on a patio? But people love it, 
sometimes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was on the cusp of saying that, like, well, one of the one of the days, one of the three days I was in Cleveland, it was nice. But then I remembered that that day was it. I was went to a Cleveland Guardians game, and there was a four hour rain delay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it was beautiful after that. <laughs> sure, it was gorgeous for three hours, <laughs> and then it, and then it snowed, and <laughs> and then woke up and. Huh. And the earth opened up and the legions of hell came out. And then the next day was a beautiful day again. It's weird. It's unpredictable. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, I definitely want to, while we're sort of talking about like, you know, branding and kind of like setting up a vibe here. One thing that we were, we were all talking about off air is um, the art of cocktail naming, which is one of my personal favorite, <laughs> just like weird little subjects to get into. So like, well, I want I want to hear what y'all's philosophy is on that. Uh, I have names for cocktails that aren't cocktails yet. Just random, random intrusive thoughts, weird puns where I'm like, that's hilarious. I'm writing that down. That'll be a cocktail someday. Um, that's for sure. I just, I just have a list of, of yet to be invented cocktails. Um, but sometimes it happens the other way where you, it, the ingredients are super important. But like I said, I, I'll, let one, I'll let one out there. I have a cocktail named The Number of the Beach. That is yet to be a cocktail, so my next tropical endeavor will likely be named as such. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, my my on again off again white whale is a uh, speaking of fungus. It's a mushroom based Bloody Mary called Breakfast of Champignons. I'm like, <laughs> it's not. I haven't cracked it yet, but man, when I do, I'm gonna be so fucking smug about it. Yeah. Um, let me ask this: Have you guys ever done that thing where you come up with the name first and then you build the cocktail around it? Yeah, yeah, I've got a, I got a whole list just waiting to actually have ingredients. Yeah, I've never done that. Yeah, I'm, I, <laughs> maybe, I'm maybe Dan and I are in the same camp. I, I the cocktail has to be in my hand before I start even thinking about the name for it. Uh, I make the drink and then I name it based on the things that are in the glass, the things uh, you know that that have to do with what process when it, where I, where I'm at when I'm doing it. Uh, yeah, there's got to be some kind of visceral connection to the name for me. I, I, I agree 99% of the time, but the, the, okay, I've done it once. I'll tip my hand. I did it one time and it was because I wanted to, uh, there's a, a traditional um, Bolivian cocktail called a chew fly, which is made with Singani, which is kind of a cousin of Pisco, Singani, ginger, and lime. Uh, and it's, it's delicious. And I wanted to combine a chew fly with a last word so that I could put a cocktail on the menu called the C word. See, yeah. See how see how fun is that? And yeah, it was and, great, and and it worked. It was I can't even remember now. I think it was uh, I think it was Singani, uh, Benedictine, uh, ginger liqueur and lime, and it was very simple. You know, like uh, all equal part one of those all equal parts um, sours. And I took it to my boss, and this is at a place that was a little bit had like a little bit more of a fine dining angle. And I was like, I'm flexible on the spelling on this one, not on the name. So I got a, I got a thing on the menu of a, a decently you know high end place called the S E A W A R D, which I was incredibly proud of. Fair, right. <laughs> yeah. I knew exactly where you were going. We said flexible on spelling. It's the S E A word. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah a, and it was that's... and it was it was great. Like the uh, we were doing pre shift, and the uh, the server who. God bless him. Was a burger and fries short of a happy meal. Uh, was like, what do you want us to do if guests ask about the name? And I was like, I don't know, lie or don't, man. Like you gotta, I can't, I can't walk this path for you, dude. Yeah, I'm just, uh, I guess it, I've just laid out the roadmap. You have to walk it yourself. <laughs> when it really comes down to it, I think about it like writing music. Sometimes you have the the instruments, and that brings forth 
the lyrics or sometimes they have some lyrics and then you write the music based around what the lyrical content. So it's the same with naming cocktails for me. Sometimes I have a cocktail and I, and I need a name for it. Some, and then I also have a list of names that will inspire me to create the cocktail. Yeah. Like, okay, well that's, that's a tropical sounding name and it's kitschy and funny. So I'm making a tropical cocktail today. Because something has to be number of the beach very soon. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, it's in there and you got to get it out. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, uh, longtime neighbor and good friend Jim Meehan uh, in his Meehan manual said that uh, the cocktail's name is its only marketing plan. Right. So, you know, that just as there are many, many uh, great cocktails that we will never hear of because they had a terrible name. There are just as many shitty cocktails that exist because they have a great name, right? I, I think about that a lot. People uh, make emotional connections to products a lot of time based on what they're called. Yeah, for sure. Especially nostalgia's sake or, you know, movie references or I know me and Dan both love pro wrestling. So a lot of our cocktail names are derived from that. Um, no, and then when people come in and look at the menu and they, you know, they see a cocktail based on something else they already love. Sure. They already, they already love the cocktail. Like it's called, I can't come up with a single uh, idea right now, but it's called that after this movie. I love that movie. I'm ordering that. I don't care what it is. There are, they already love it. Right. There's an opportunity here to maybe get them, get your audience to drink something they wouldn't normally drink because they're interested in the name alone. Right. Uh, Absolutely. You know, uh, I'm a firm believer that we don't buy anything. We don't buy an ink pen or a pair of shoes or tires for our car without some sort of emotional uh, reaction there. Right. So um, I think right. that's, that's actually a pretty clever insight. You know, normally I'm pretty staunchly in the camp of uh, I don't name a cocktail until I am making it, but I can see at least a glimmer of an argument there. If I want to create an emotional connection for someone to maybe a uh, sleight of hand, you know, get them to drink something that maybe they wouldn't have tried in the first place. Absolutely. Uh, definitely trying to get the people that might be a little afraid of something a little more complex and in depth or has a, has a spirit in it. We all get the people who go, I don't like gin, but like the hell you don't watch this. (laughs) (laughs) So calling it, calling it something fun based on something they know they are to be like, right. Might get, might, uh, convince them to try something wouldn't normally try. Yeah. That's pretty compelling to be honest. Now, of course, you mentioned over and over how the bar is going to kind of try and be broad and reaching to a, a wider audience. Is there a category that'll be on the back bar that'll be a little bit more heavily showcased just based on your own personal preferences? Rum. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. Rum. He was right on the buzzer with that Rum. one. Oh, yeah. That's... I, was w- I was waiting for you to say it. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy and Eric both come from LBM and they've had, they have this. They have an amazing selection of whiskey, but I think it's at the point where they're getting so burned out on the giant whiskey selection. Like we can just get a big rum selection too. I so. yeah, I am. Um, I in the last five ten years, I've definitely been converted to uh, uh, rum as my favorite spirit. Um, we have a giant whiskey selection at LBM. I can tell you why. I can also tell you I don't know why. <laughs> There's 150 of them up there. I know a lot about 23 of them. Right. <laughs> um, it's but it's you know it's a big market, and if you're looking for one of the bigger whiskey selections in town, we have it. So 
Um, I, that, that's the number one reason to, to carry that, and it looks awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that back that back bar is gorgeous, and it, it just keep just keeps going. Uh, so what else? A little little heavier on the rum drinks at the at the cocktail bar then on the list. Yeah. I mean, I'm always going to have to have a few on there. I, I want to keep it pretty balanced. Um, honestly, a lot of what I want to do, uh, I, I want to I want to have a badass Long Island and like an amazing dirty martini and stuff like that. Sure. Hell yeah. I've got many thoughts on the dirty martini. We'll talk about it. I got. Oh yeah. I have I have ideas. Yeah, I mean, quite hot right now. Big article in Punch recently about the wide range of the dirty martini. You know, from uh, Sarah Morrissey's. Uh, uh, I think she calls hers the seaside, right? It's got uh, anchovies in it, all the way to uh, the one, That's all funny. the way to the one from Bonnie's that has MSG in it. Um, you know, there's a dirty martini I, for everyone. I think is the name of the article. Um, I really, I, I, I read that there was one that has like a you get like a bump of uh, umami powder or something on the side. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> really been enjoying the uh, the gray whale gin for uh, for the dirty martinis, just because it's so it's got a little bit of almond in it, so it's a little bit oily and it's the sea kelp it just really lends itself actually i like i won't use brine at all i'll use that and um a little bit of saline right and uh, i've i've tricked a lot of people in asking for a dirty vodka martini and i hand them nothing of the sort <laughs> <laughs> and they're they're still very excited I, I taste that and then i'll tell you what's in it yeah um and it's been going well i like tricking people <laughs> well uh hopefully it's a treat that you're tricking them with um well listen guys it has been great having you on uh and we're very excited to come out to see the uh your shop uh in you said at the top of the show i think you said uh sometime in late may is the target date of course things yep hope uh-huh. often get screwed up by construction etc but we, can, we sure. can probably at least look forward to visiting in the summer right yeah Definitely. i would love to have you absolutely yeah. be honored um and uh do you have social media for the bar already uh never say dive on instagram never say dive all without any underscores or anything goofy like that all one word all one word never say dive um so um yeah i look forward to visiting the both of you out at never say dive uh in cleveland soon i'm overdue for a visit there i haven't been there since the pandemic so uh it's it's a town that i really enjoy so i'm gonna come back and see you maybe uh maybe we'll drag greg and damon along and we'll do another rowdy drunken episode of the speakeasy all over that sounds all over the city there's been a lot of changes in the town so yeah of course yeah um well, that's it for this week's episode of the Speakeasy. Tune into Heritage Radio Network for plenty more shows just like this one. Head on over to heritageradionetwork.org and uh, find the donate button and donate to keep shows like this on air. Uh, and please keep on coming back and listening because we love being here and uh, sharing all these stories from all over the world with you. Uh, cheers, everybody. We'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers. So you don't shun the devil with your right The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food and drink radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe. <laughs>